to glory to glory. The radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join with us now as Pastor Joe Pettick teaches from the book of Revelation. Chapter 14. ...with women, for they, were, they are virgins. The word virgins, it's... It's not, you know, it it could mean that they were virgins. They were never with a woman before, and that's very possible. But uh, it also could just mean they abstained from all sexual impurity. They And also um, whoredom. They weren't with, you know, harlots. And so some even believe, I'm not sure, we don't know for sure, but it's possible these, these Jewish men may have been married. So maybe they were married just with one wife, but it totally means they were sexually pure. They didn't, you know, they were with one woman or they were with no women at all. They were total virgins. They've never been married, one or the other. Uh, For sure, though, it means that they were totally pure. And it's a good reminder for us as believers that are here today, the importance of sexual purity. We live in a culture today that glorifies sex and sensuality, don't we? Everywhere. Television, commercials, the internet, magazines, Billboards, everywhere you can see, it's like sex is glorified, sensuality is glorified. It's almost like, you know, we're raising the society to say, well, this is a good thing. And in the, in, yeah, have you ever watched a commercial before and you're like, you don't even know what it's about? You're like, what are they selling? It just looks like, it's, it looks like they're selling sex, but actually, you know, because sex sells is what they say. And that's a society that we live in today. And, but we're called as believers to, to be separated from that. Doesn't mean we're called to be virgins where we don't, we don't, we're not with anyone. No, the, the marriage bed is undefiled and it's, you know, there, there's, you know, that's what, you know, sex is set up for marriage and it's a good thing in, in marriage. But outside of marriage, the Bible makes it very clear that sex outside of marriage is, is not permitted. I remember as a youth pastor when I was a fairly young Christian in Michigan. I remember I was at the grocery store and I was standing in line at the grocery store and there was a magazine on the magazine rack. There was a, a real, you know, terrible picture of a, you know, slinky bathing suit, a girl half, you know, undressed and all. And so I just thought, you know, that's not good. I'm, and I'm a youth pastor and I had my nieces and nephews with me. And so I'm standing there and waiting for them to come in line. So I just went to turn it around the other way so they didn't have to look at it. I didn't have to look at it. And I turned it around the other way and I looked as, whoa, it was worse on the other side. <laughs> I was like, oh, I put it back the other way. <laughs> So funny, my feisty wife, she, she told me when she first came to the United States from Scotland, she said when she would go to the, as a young single woman, she's still young, but she's not single, obviously. <laughs> but she would go to the, uh, the bookstores like Barnes and Nobles and those, and she would actually take Bibles and Christian books, and she would, all the bad pictures, she'd put Bibles and Christian books over all the bad pictures. <laughs> I just think about it. It must be terrible, you know, raising children in this type of a culture. It's like acceptable. Like we say, oh, this is good. This is acceptable. Paul the Apostle tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, talking to the believers, do you want to know the will of God? Well, Paul tells you what the will of God is for your life. As a believer, it says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. That means being set apart. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. The word sexual immorality, the Greek word is pornea. That's where we get our, our English word, pornography. 
It speaks of, again, sex outside of marriage. So Paul the Apostle is telling us, if you want to know the will of God for your life, if you want to know what God calls you to do, he wants you to be separate from sexual immorality. He wants you to be sanctified. He wants you to be set apart from that as a believer. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Your vessel meaning your own body. You should know how you're supposed to operate. You're supposed to operate as a believer in sanctification and honor. And then verse 5, he says, not in passions of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. And that passion, that lust, you're to turn from it. Those things that, that you know, entice, you're to turn from it. And again, you know, I want to make it very clear. In marriage, sex is not only permitted, it's honorable. It's, it's a good thing. But outside of marriage, it's not. Paul the Apostle tells us in tells actually young Timothy, a young pastor. He says, flee also youthful lust. But check this out. The alternative. You know, we, we all, God has given us, you know, different drives. And one of the drives that we have, we have sex drives. We, we, you know, God has created that in us. But outside of marriage, we're not to do that. And at the time, Timothy was a young man. He says, okay, flee youthful lust. You're a young man. Turn away from that. But then he gives the, the alternative. He says, you know what you do? This is what you do. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So, young Timothy, I'll tell you what, I know you have these desires, I know you have these drives, and, and you know, they're God-given drives, but until it's marriage time, you know, I want you to do something. Consume yourself with other believers. Consume yourself with, with those that have pure hearts. You know, you know, pursue righteousness and faith. In other words, stay in church. Hang out in Bible studies. Hang out in the things of the Lord, you know, because if you don't, you could get yourself in a lot of trouble. So the exhortation goes out. And then the last one for this, I love this one. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Do you want to see God more in your life? Ask him to purify your heart. Ask him to cleanse you deep within and bring purity inside of you. You know, the one good thing, the the blessing as being a believer is the cross of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So whatever we mess up, we go to the cross, we say, God, forgive me, Lord, I repent, I turn, I give you my sin. And he cleanses us and he purifies us and he purifies our heart. And not only that, he takes away guilt and shame and all the garbage that goes with sin and you can walk with assurance and who you are in Christ. And and then you see God, you open up the word and you're like, whoa, God is speaking to me. If you open up the word today and the word of God is dead to you, I might, might suggest maybe you're not pure in heart and God wants to purify your heart today. God wants to cleanse your heart today. You're not going to see God. If you're you know, thinking, I'm going, to, you know, I'm going to try to seek God. You know, I'm going to seek him. And I'm just going to live an impure life. I'm going to live the way I want to live. I want to live, you know, I'm not going to turn away from my ways. I'm going to live this life the way I want. But I'm going to go find God. Well, he says, first, go to the cross. First, give your sin to him at the cross. And guess what? He will purify you today. He will wash away all your sin and all your unrighteousness. He will, you know, bring you to that place. He'll open up your spiritual eyes, and this Bible will make sense to you. Not only that, you're going to love reading your Bible. So blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So we see these men were pure as ambassadors, and were called in purity as believers. Second thing we see, they were men of consistency. If you're a note taker, they were men of consistency. Where do we see that? Well, it goes on to say, these are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. 
Don't you like the, just the way that sounds? These are the ones who followed the lamb wherever he goes. The lamb obviously being, can we say it together? Jesus. There's no doubt who this is. This is Jesus. Does this mean that they physically, you know, during the tribulation period, they physically saw Jesus and they're like, oh, there he is. Let's go this way. No, 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 there he is. Let's go. You know, it, it's not in the physical sense. And it's, it's in the spiritual sense. And I, I suggest that, you know, through his word and through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you know, they knew the leading of the Lord. And we have the same thing. And they were consistent. You notice it doesn't say there was 140, you know, 43,999, right? One week, it's like, oh, we missed one. One didn't follow the lamb. What happened? One was gone. No, every one of them were consistent right to the end. I don't know about you, but as a believer, this has been speaking to me a lot to be more consistent, being consistent in the things of God, not just on Sunday mornings. Guess what? You wake up Monday, are you following the lamb wherever he goes? I've, I've shared this before, but when I wake up in the morning, I usually say, good morning, Lord. I just, at first thing, you know, even before I talk with my wife, I'm like, good morning, Lord. I, I want to first thing, just talk to him. I want to get my day started with him and started in prayer and started, you know, I don't say, good Lord, it's morning. You know, I just like, <laughs> sometimes I feel that way. And start off the morning just seeking him and opening up the word and, and following the lamb wherever he goes and having that sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I get a visual picture with this. It was like it, when, when the Lord by his Holy Spirit would lead these guys. And again, this is a future event. These are, are men that are going to evangelize the earth in the time of tribulation, right? And, and I, I get this visual where they're just ready. They get up in the morning and they're just like seeking God. And God just, you know, as they're, you know, walking through their day, the Lord's speaking to them like, I want you to go here and I want you to talk to this person. And they're like, oh, yeah. And I, I, wait, I don't want you to go to that place. I don't want you to. And they're like, okay, Lord. Consistency, to be consistent in our walk. I feel so often, probably those in the church, you know, there's this lack of consistency. Oh, Lord, I'll catch up with you. You know what? It's okay, Sunday. We did Sunday. Remember, Lord, you and I, we did Sunday together. Can we catch up maybe next? Well, you know what? Ah, oh, no, I forgot. I've got plans next Sunday. Okay, the follow. Oh, wait a second. No, not the follow. Okay, all right, three weeks from today, Lord, we're going to meet in the sanctuary. You and me, Lord. Let's meet together. The lack of consistency, and it's so important to be consistent and seeking first his kingdom. The, these men were used mightily, and I want to be an ambassador of God. I don't know about you, but if, if you want to be an ambassador of God, consistency is so important in our walk. These men followed the lamb everywhere he went. I don't know, someone did a, a study based on a 70-year lifespan, and he's, he kind of figured out the math on you know, how people spend their life in 70 years. And he put down that eight years is spent in amusement out of your 70 years. Six years are spent at the dinner table. I think mine's probably more like 20 years at the dinner table. I like to eat. So. Five years in transportation, Four years in conversation. I think women's get a little higher than the guys. I don't know. Just suggesting. Three years being sick or convalescing, probably convalescent homes or whatever. Three years, but less than one year for God. 
And the study that they did, that's considering if you go to church every Sunday and you pray about 10 minutes a day, it's less than one year of your life. That's terrible, isn't it? That doesn't sound consistent to me. That's an average. I remember when we first started this work 13 years ago, 2003. I remember we were renting the women's club down the street. What a time. Wasn't that some of those times? Of the, we used to be so packed in this women's club. It was just so people were standing outside, sitting outside. We even had a news reporter that came from the L.A. Times, and he, he did a report, and he had people with binoculars looking in the window because they couldn't get a seat inside. It was just, it was just a fun time. It was just a, the Lord was just, I mean, come on. I think, I think it held like, I'm guessing, seven. 75, 85 people, 85 people or something. And it, I mean, the best seat in the house was the, 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 uh, the piano stand because it held three people on the piano stand. And we'd sit there on the piano stand. I used to love that seat, you know. And, but I remember our first Bible study. We, did, we, we haven't even started yet, so we're just going to launch it off. You know, here we are in town, and we're going to invite the whole neighborhood. We're going to see who's, you know, who's going to come. And so we printed up, I don't know how many flyers, and we just we blanketed this area. We went to all the businesses and all the stores. We went to all the homes, and we're passing out every... We had a crew that's just all fired up and excited, you know. So it was a Monday night, and we get there, and I'm standing up there at the, the pulpit, and I'm just waiting, and... And then here comes the one family that goes to our church, and the other family showed up that goes to the church. My wife was there, I was there, and, and nobody showed up. Nobody. Nobody. And I remember I'm preaching, and I'm teaching, and I'm like, okay, Lord, what's up? Nobody showed up. You know, we must have printed like 20,000 or 40,000 flyers. We've printed all these flyers. Not one person shows up. And I remember I was starting to get discouraged, and I'm walking outside. It's the end of the thing. I'm just walking. I'm thinking, wow, okay. I know you started the work, Lord, and I'm walking out the door. And I seen this guy in a motorcycle across the, across the women's club there on the street, and he was kind of looking in the window. He was sitting there, and I, I believe he was just, he was there to, to come to the Bible study, but he didn't have enough whatever it took to get up and go in. And I should have went over and talked to him, but out of my discouragement, I just kind of just put my head down. I walked to my car, you know, and I'm talking to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, zero, Lord, goose egg, nothing. And I'll never forget, the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, be consistent. And I knew exactly what he meant. He says, they know you're here. They're going to go through difficult times. They're going to go through rough times. And they're going to have troubles and turmoil. And they know that there's a light in this community. Be consistent. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep teaching the word. And continue. And sure enough, one by one. It took about, I'd say about five years for this community to finally break. And I love Alan and Rachel's story. Alan and Rachel, she... She was given a flyer to invite her out to the church. And she she put her flyer on the the refrigerator at her house, and she left it there in a the refrigerator, and it was there for five years. One day she took that, it was like she said it was on her refrigerator, the magnet, you know, but, it, you know, there's stuff buried over the top of it, and then she would look at it every once in a while, and she left it there for five years. She kept saying, I'm going to go to that church one day, I'm going to go to that church one day. And one day she took it off the, the, the refrigerator, and she told her husband, Alan, I'm going to that church today. And he goes, well, I'm going with you. She goes, no, you're not going with me. I, I need to go to that church. He goes, no, I want to go with you. And as you know the story, both of them, after a short period of time, received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They're still walking with the Lord today. Consistency. The importance. Awesome verse, and we'll go on to our next one. Paul the Apostle says, 
Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So then listen to this. He says, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit. So Paul's saying, you know what? If I show up or even if I don't show up, I, I want to know that you're consistent, that you're constantly you know, following after the things of the Lord. Be consistent. So we see that the 144,000, they're consistent. Third thing we see, they're men of integrity. They're men of integrity. Verse 5, if you can look with me, it says, And in their mouth was found no deceit. Ambassadors of Christ, God wants us to have integrity, good speech, wise words, not backbiting, not gossiping, not lying. It's a shame if we're in the world and we're just like everybody else. If you're known in the world to be a gossiper, a liar, a cheater, and deceitful, we're no different than everybody else. There should be something different. You know, people should say, wow, these guys, you know, they're different. At least I can trust them. I remember when I was in the water meter business and we would we'd go to different you know, states, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania. We'd go different places. There's an area, I believe this one was in Indiana, and we would do different work there. And it was interesting that the Amish people, they'd have you know, Amish communities, they loved hiring the Amish people. They were hard workers. and they, Everyone in the community would say, if you can hire the Amish people, they're honest. You can always trust them. And they're, you know, they're hardworking people. That's what we should be. Amish? No, no, I didn't mean we're to be Amish. <laughs> Men and women of integrity. Our speech being good. I don't know if you guys caught in the L.A. Times. I thought this was very interesting. Los Angeles Times, uh, September 18th, this was put out. This professor, Benjamin Bergen, a professor of cognitive science in UC San Diego. The headline says, go ahead, curse in front of your kids. This is in the LA Times. He says that there's no scientific proof that exposure to ordinary profanity, four-letter words, and the worst ones he, he does list, cause any sort of direct harm. He actually, in the article, I read it, he basically encouraged parents, it's okay to curse in front of your young children, and use four-letter words, even if they repeat it, that's okay. But he says what he would suggest to do is sit them down and explain that, you know, you can use that language, but it might not be appropriate in certain places. Uh, Like if you're in a uh, supermarket, you might not want to yell out the blank word, you know, in front of everybody. That would probably be inappropriate. Isaiah the prophet says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And I, I believe we're living in those days today where people are saying, you know, good is evil and evil is good, and we've got everything mixed up. But in the midst of that, we're to be men and women of integrity. I remember when I was weeks old in the Lord, I don't even know how, I was very young, and I was driving to church Sunday, and I'm just on fire for the Lord, and I've accepted Christ, and he's changed my life, and I'm just like, Lord, you're so good, and I can't wait to go to church. She just prayed to receive the Lord, you know, right after I prayed to receive the Lord. It took her a while to really, you know, get it and all. Now she's a a missionary, you know, her husband's a missionary, and they're, you know, they're on the mission field together. But, uh, sorry, honey, I'm talking about this, but, uh, (laughs) but, uh, we're driving to church, and she asked me a question about my past before I was saved, and and I had to lie to her because I knew, I didn't have to lie to her, but I lied to her because I knew if I told her the truth, 
that we weren't going to make it to that service and it was going to hurt her and crush her and it's going to be a long, drawn-out conversation. So I lied and I remember going to church and trying to worship the Lord and it was, I was as cold as ice. And I'm like, Lord, where are you? And I remember the Lord basically speaking to my heart and saying, I can't be one with a lie. And I was like, Lord, as soon as the service is over, I will tell her the truth. Forgive me, Lord, I repent. And at that second, his presence was just ushered in. I was like, yes, Lord, never leave me, Lord. Always be with me. God's never one with a lie. Literally, there was no deceit in their mouth. This word deceit is a lie. There was no, or falsehood. There was no falsehood in their mouth. The importance as ambassadors to tell the truth. Do, do people around you, can they trust you? I have a relative that when he says it's black, I'll know it's white. When he says it's raining outside, I know it's going to be a sunny day. And everybody knows this person because they can't believe a word this person says. But, but as a Christian, we should never be that way. There was no deceit found in their mouth. And Proverbs 12, 22 says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Do you think that he doesn't like the lying? It's a, an abomination to the Lord. But those who deal truthfully are his delight. He loves truth. Another verse that goes with this, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. So those that are planning evil, it's deceit. They have deceit in their hearts. But I love this. But the counsels of peace, the counselors of peace have joy. Don't you love that? When you have peace and God's ruling in your heart and he just gives you such joy and you, you, you can talk truth and love and, and it's just a wonderful thing. But if it's deceit, he's never going to bless that. You're never going to have that joy that he wants you to have. And one more verse that goes with that. The integrity of the upright will guide them. As we walk in truth, we have direction. But the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. So those that are perverse, you know, I, I actually like that. I like that the fact that when we as believers, when we're in the truth and we're doing it God's way and we're repenting and staying close to the Lord, and then there's, you know, people that we deal with that are just, you know, shady and they lie and they scheme and they plan. And it's like, sometimes I'm like, Lord, how can I fight this? I remember being in the business world. It's like, you know, everybody, they, a little white lie is okay. And everybody's, oh yeah, it's just a little white lie. And then you can manipulate and all these things. But I kind of love watching the Lord work, don't you? You stay in truth and you're with integrity and, and it's like they, they get caught in their own traps. And it's so funny because it's like when you're staying in the truth, when you're staying close to Jesus, you're staying in the Lord and it's like you can see right through all their deception. It's like, that's a lie. And they're like, oh no, brother, just explain this. And it's like, well, no, that's not true because of this. You said this. They're like, oh, wait, 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 hey man. Oh, well, I really didn't mean that. Well, then why did you say that? And they get caught in their own deception because God can't be one with that. We're going to meet these 144,000 one day. They have the Father's name written on them. They're going to be in the tribulation period, and they are called as special representatives for God during that time. Folks, please get this. You and I are called to be God's representatives at a time such as this. And it's an awesome thing. Because we live in a very dark world today. And the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works 
and they'll glorify your Father who's in heaven. We mess up. We're not perfect. We go to the cross. And he's quick to forgive. He's slow to anger. We go back out there and we shine. And we allow the Lord to put words in our hearts. So we're called to represent him in purity. We're called to represent him in consistency. We're called to represent him in integrity. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to do. listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.